Hey guys, welcome back to our New Life Men's Podcast. My name is Gabe Jenkins. I'm the men's pastor at New Life Church in Colorado Springs. And one of the things I love about my role is that I have the privilege of listening to a lot of men share their stories. And these stories are encouraging, they're powerful, they're they're oftentimes stories of transformation of how the Lord has gotten a hold of their heart and just totally transformed them. And so I want to be intentional to share some of these stories uh, on the podcast. And so today you're going to hear a conversation I recorded recently with Damian Marquez. Damian uh, is a great man. He's got a wild story of transformation. And he actually is one of our fire team small group leaders. And so you're going to hear him share more about that as well. But uh, in a nutshell, Damian's story includes going from being uh, in a gang to becoming a law enforcement officer to uh, just being a man on fire, a, a man with a passion for Jesus that burns in his heart. And so I think this, this conversation is going to encourage you. And my prayer is that it reminds us that Jesus is in the business of transforming lives. And he's still in the business of transforming lives. And so enjoy this conversation with Damien Marquez. Well, Damien, thanks for being with us. Thank today. you, Pastor. Thanks for having me. Now, before I had a chance to uh, really hear your story, my first memory of you is seeing you at men's events, men's conferences, men's gatherings, and you were typically the last person to leave because you were cleaning up, you were serving, you were, you were helping. And so this kept happening, happening time and time again. It's like, who is this guy? He's always ready to help. He's, he's always ready to serve. And then when I sat down with you and heard your story, I, w- I was just like, wow, what a fascinating story. Here's a man uh, who went from uh, essentially being in a gang, so you were running from law enforcement, to joining the ranks of law enforcement as a law enforcement officer, to now you're a man on fire who loves Jesus. And so I look forward to being able to to jump into your story and have you share some of your story. But let's just, let's start at the beginning. Like uh, you and I both grew up in small towns. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, but the difference is I grew up in a small town in, in Kansas, rural Kansas. You grew up in a small town in LA County. So, so even though there were small towns, some pretty stark differences. So how would you characterize what life was like growing up in a small town in LA County? What was life like for you as a boy? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Again, it- L.A. County is a big county right in California, and within that county, you have these small little pockets and cities and neighborhoods, and that's kind of what my growing up was. I was in this small little town neighborhood that was surrounded by bigger cities and unfortunately just didn't get along with one another. Um, so, um, but my childhood was great. I, you know, I had two older brothers, a younger sister. Um, we lived right next door to my grandfather, so that was always a treat having grandpa nearby. But um, the small town that I grew in was very hospitable. Um, my father was a union man, so he worked very, very hard and was able to provide for us. You know, um, my mom stayed home and took care of us, and she did a great job raising us. You know, we followed that Catholic faith, Catholic religion all of our lives. We went through Catholic schooling um, and all the way through through high school, and uh, I enjoyed it so much, Pastor. I even gave an extra year, so. Um, uh, instead of spending 12 years, I spent 13 years. So, but I just in, enjoyed it so much. But yeah, that was my upbringing. Uh, it was a very athletic family, so we were always competitive out in the street playing ball or at the park playing ball. So what 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 sport did you love? Uh, you know what? I loved both football and baseball. I was more talented playing 
baseball, but I love football because I had this aggression in me, just mm-hmm. this anger being the younger sibling, always getting picked on. So when football came around, I knew I could take it out on yeah, somebody else. So, like, Let's go. Yeah, Bring it so, on. so I enjoyed that aspect of it as well. Yeah, so you uh, grew up very athletic boy, you love sports. And so as you got into your teenage years, uh, you ended up getting connected in with a gang. You became a gang member. Tell us how that happened. Yeah, again, like I said, growing up in that environment that I grew up in, you know, those are your friends, your, those are your neighbors, you know, those are your, your homies, right? We use that, that term. And the school that I went to was, wasn't in the city or that town that I lived in, so we had to travel a little bit uh, further to go to this, you know, Catholic uh, schooling. And I know, you know, my parents wanted the best education for us, so that's why we went there. So um, everyone that I went to school with weren't my neighbors, you know, they didn't live around the corner or around the block. So when I was out of school and those weekends were there to hang around with my friends, that's who I was hanging around with. Those other kids that went to the regular schools or, you know, the, the public schools. So, you know, their education and upbringing was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So as time went on and as, you know, I'm hanging around with those friends, I had more things in common with them, right? Because we, we go to the same liquor store, we go to the same burger joint and, as I got older and started to, to develop uh, as a young man, you know, it was it was nice and, uh, to feel that you belong to a group mm-hmm. or you belong to a, a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So that, that was so powerful for you. It's really the invitation to come, hey, you, you belong with us. You're one of us. Right. Yeah, you know, and the way it happened, you know, we always gathered at someone's house for the weekend and just, you know, hang out and do guy stuff or just, just hang out and have conversations. And uh, one particular night, again, a good friend of mine that, you know, we grew up and played ball together. All of a sudden, I find myself in a little circle, and I'm in the middle. I'm like, uh, what's happening? And it was, the fight was on, and that was kind of like my initiation into, you know, you're going to be part of this neighborhood, and it's going to come with some um, things that you're going to have to do. They don't really always line that out yeah. right at the very beginning, but, you know, you kind of learn to survive, and you learn that that street skill and that street knowledge just to, just to, you know, land of survival. Yeah. Survival mode. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you, is there a story that comes to mind when you think back on those years when you were actively engaged as a member of this gang, is there a story that comes to mind that kind of characterizes what those years were like? No, absolutely. You know, there's so many events that go on in such a small time frame, you know, in those young teenage years or even as a young young adult years. And, you know, it, it's amazing how much trouble you can really get yourself into without even trying, you know, uh, especially if you're going to kind of pledge your allegiance to, to some kind of a, a neighborhood or, or a gang. So um, it, for me, again, it was so different and kind of funny at times because here I was living this life as this Catholic uh, student athlete. Uh, Monday through Friday, but on the weekends at nighttime, I'm hanging around with, with all my friends who, who are part of this gang in this neighborhood. So uh, one particular night, you know, we're driving around and uh, we're just up to no good, you know, just kind of young men up to no good. And uh, we eventually got pulled over uh, by the sheriff's department. And I'm in this van with 12 other individuals and you don't really know who's in the van. You think you know, but you just really don't know, right? And as uh, the sheriffs are, are extracting each of us out of the out of the car and going through their their ritual, what they do to us. You know, I had that kind of defining moment when it was waiting for my turn. That you know, one bad decision could really change the course of your life. And um, 
playing that scenario in my head as I waited for my turn to get extracted, I started to think about some of the guys that I played football with or played Little League with that were no longer there because, you know, that gang life just kind of took them out or they were already incarcerated at such a young age. Um, so, and that was kind of a defining moment for me at that time during that, that course of event, waiting to get extracted out of that vehicle. Man, wow, that's, that is so interesting. You're in a van. You think you know. That was interesting how you said that. You think you think you you know these people, but do you really know them? Do you really know what they're about and what they've done? Absolutely. You know, they're supposed to be your partners, your homies. Again, we use that that term, but I don't know what my neighbor next door just did five minutes before getting into the car, or what he did yesterday, and they don't know what I just may have been involved in. So you know, even though we're there to protect one another and look out for one another and strength in those gang ties you just really don't you really don't know mm-hmm. who's in the vehicle with you you really don't know how people are going to respond you know when you're in those kind of incidents so you're you're waiting to be extracted from this van law enforcement is surrounding you and it was a sobering it was a sobering moment for you right your eyes started to be open to the kind of life you were living and what was the process how did you then transition out of the game yeah absolutely again I think growing up in an athletic family, having older brothers kind of paved the way, um, kind of gave me a little bubble protection, if I can use that term, where um, as I'm sitting there getting proned out by law enforcement and they're talking and interrogating me, they find out that I, I'm attending this pretty uh, well-known private Catholic uh, school that real, does really well in sports. So I kind of had a little bit of grace. You know, they kind of gave me a little, little, little leeway. They gave me some slack. So I think... Um, me being athletic and having brothers that really paved the way really kept me out of a lot of trouble. And for me to be able to transition was really easy for me to transition out of that lifestyle to say, hey, I want to be an athlete now. I don't want to just have this um, be something that I do on the weekends. I really wanted to put more energy and effort into being an athlete. So mm-hmm. I slowly just started doing more of that, be more involved in my athletics. And, you know, as high school and college comes along, you get more busy in sports if you really want to take it serious so i didn't really have a whole lot of time to mess around with the neighborhood and, and my friends and my neighbors and people that i lived on the block with so that kind of saved me and helped me transition out of that so you transitioned so out of the gang and eventually you ended up in law enforcement yes so so how, it or not yeah you know, tell us the story cra- of crazy how, story how right yeah well after i got done playing sports you know i became a father for the first time it was um you know, it's time to go to work, right? Provide for your family. And that's what I did. Um, I joined the union that, that my father was a part of. And um, that's where, where my heart was content. I'm just going to work and be a union man and support my family. But God sent me another mentor during that time where um, he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And um, he was applying for some of the reserve um, police departments in the area. And every day would be on the job. Uh, he would tell me, you know, I think you should go into law enforcement. He would just sow, sow that seed into me, Pastor. And then that job would end, and then we, we'd be on the job again together. And he would say it again. You know, this this union, this career, yeah, it's a great, great work, but I just think you would be better off doing something different. I really see uh, law enforcement in your future. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, this guy's crazy. He don't know my background. <laughs> he don't know, you know, he doesn't. That's never going to happen. I don't have that resume, right? I don't have, I don't have the resume for law enforcement. So... As jobs go, come and go, I keep running into them, and we keep are on the same job, and he keeps sowing that seed. And the funny part of the story is, at the time we were leaving, right around the corner from the sheriff's academy, 
and I'm driving by the Sheriff's Academy mm -hmm. every day, and I just kind of started to feel that little tug. Maybe I should give it a shot. You know, it, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. So that kind of started the process. You know, I picked up an application and took it home, and I didn't wasn't able to fill out that application. It was it was all um, other people that were in my life at the time that really helped me fill that application out because again I didn't have the resume for that. Mm -hmm. See, the power of having a mentor because what you're saying is it was the mentor who could see into you and he could he was naming things that you couldn't see in yourself. Absolutely, that you weren't even aware of, but but he had eyes to see it, and that's often what happens. When a young man enters into a mentoring relationship, you have you have this wisdom, you have this experience from the mentor, and they're able to see things that we can't see ourselves oftentimes. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So you had people helping you fill out the the resume, and you felt totally unqualified. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Again, I was that mindset like, hey, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. You know, if it doesn't happen, I already have a good job. I'm in the union. I'll provide for my family, and I'll just go on with life. Mm -hmm. What was it like when you found out you were accepted? What were those moments like for you? Um, you know, it was kind of took my breath away. I, you know, at that time, um, you know, my grandfather just passed away. Um, so he didn't really, he didn't see, see my law enforcement career. But I was just kind of at a moment where it, it, it took almost a year process. It really, I guess they were really digging in deep to see who I really was and if I was fit for it. So when I got that phone call, you know, uh, hey, do you still want to be a part of this you know, organization? I was like, yeah, absolutely saying yes before I even had a chance to think about it, right? Uh, I just knew it'd be a better opportunity for me to provide for my family. Um, my second daughter was just born, so again, I wanted to provide for my family. So um, I said yes, but after I hung up the phone, I sat back by myself like, okay, Damon, how are you going to navigate this one now? And did you have moments once you started, once you started to get more deeply into that work, did you have moments when you thought, what am I doing here? I am in the wrong field. Absolutely. Completely out of place, right? Uh, I think the, the fact that my father did come from a, a you know military background, my grandfather in the military, my, one of my brothers in the military, that structure was there. And then being, you know, that gang mentality, you kind of have some structure, you know, kind of know how to, how to fly under the radar that way. So I know I'd be good in that aspect. And when it came to the athletic strengthening part, well, I knew I'd be okay in that one. Um, the learning, the knacks of, of law enforcement in the classroom, that's where I knew I was going to struggle. Mm -hmm. That's where I knew um, where I was going to be separated from everybody else. So I just told myself, you know, stick your head down, you know, grind it out. Don't draw any attention to yourself and fly under the radar. Mm -hmm. Because part of your story, Damien, is you, you had real difficulties reading and writing. Yes. And so I know just from talking off mic, it, you're saying – Actually, a, quite a bit of law enforcement is writing reports. Oh, absolutely. Eighty percent of the job mostly is writing and articulating uh, incidents and reports. And going from childhood to all the way into adult, the adulthood, I, yeah, my reading comprehension level was not good at all. I struggled just reading and learning, uh, understanding basic concepts. Mm -hmm. And uh, my loving mother, she took me to every uh, tutor there was that she could take me to and find. And every year. It was just the same struggle of not um, learning how to read and comprehend. And, you know, when you're not able to do that, you, you know, you rely on a lot of people to answer questions yeah. for you. You rely on a lot of people to tell you what's really what and what really isn't. So, um, yeah, I was always um, that part of my life where I just felt very inadequate. So 
being in law enforcement, joining that community, I definitely felt out of place completely. So you had to write these reports. How, how did you navigate that? Because well, I, just looking at you, you have no problem you know, chasing somebody down and tight. You're a big, strong guy. But how did you, you know, as somebody that struggled reading and writing, how did you navigate all of the reports? Yeah, well, I think God gifted me with a very vivid imagination. Um, so what I started doing was I started playing over this scenario in my head. And I would carry this little tape recorder with me. And I would just narrate, okay, what just happened? And I would just kind of say that story of what happened in the microphone, in, in my little um, microphone that I had. And uh, I would play back. I'd play that tape back when I was all alone. When it was time for me to write the report. And then I just would struggle just trying to put the words on paper, uh, not learning how to spell. Those spell checkers did nothing for me because I couldn't even spell a word for mm -hmm. it to even spell check it correctly. Yeah. yeah, so I, I mean, I struggled. And again, Damon, you're out of, you know, you're out of your league, you're out of your depth, but you know, uh, I knew this career was going to provide for my family and just keep your head down, grind away, fly under the radar, and, you know, and, and that's what I did for so many years. Yeah, yeah, wow. And so tell us the story about how you came to know the Lord, because at this time you're in law enforcement, you have a Catholic background, so there's some foundation there. Yes. But where, how did it really come alive in your heart? You know, you, you, everyone I think knows they come to the final moment if they're really living out their best, mm -hmm. right? Am I really doing what, you know, I've been called to do, my, my purpose? And I knew I wasn't. Even though I was well in, in my law enforcement career, being a, a father, a husband, having wonderful children, I knew I still wasn't giving them my best. I wasn't giving my career my best. Uh, you know, I was shorthanding everything because not being able to, to read, learn, and comprehend. So... I had that moment again where I, I licked myself in the beer and, and told the Lord that I need to learn how to read. This is uh, this can't go on. I'm turning 40 and I'm still struggling to, to read and write and comprehend. And uh, I didn't hear God say, I got you. I didn't hear that voice. But I just felt this peace in my heart to say, pick up God's word and start reading it. Yeah. And that's what I did, Pastor. I picked up the, this word. I picked up my Bible that I had and I started reading from beginning to end and um, you know my, my wife would, would lay next to me in, in bed and when I struggled to pronounce a word or couldn't know how to pronounce it you know she would help me out and I started that process you know uh, year after year just from the beginning to the end and I started to see the change I started to see that I was understanding things out in the world and I was understanding things on my job but it, it was really drawing me closer to the Lord and, and through that that change by year three God's word just came alive, like the blinders just came off. You hear it all the time, right? Or you read the stories in the scripture that, you know, the, the veil came off my eyes and it just hit my spirit and my soul. And all of a sudden I was understanding everything that I was reading. Wow. Wow. That is, that's awesome. Yeah. So as a man who really struggled, you just, you just immersed yourself in the scriptures, soaked yourself in the scriptures. And what kind of transformation did you start to notice? Yeah, I started to notice that, um, it says that those words just weren't on paper. It actually came alive in my life, and it showed me how to apply it in every aspect of my life. You know, as a father, as a, as a husband, as a son, you know, as um, a law enforcement officer, it just showed me how to apply it in every area of my life. So in those places where I was struggling, I was failing, I was now succeeding. And I just started checking things off on the board. I made this little checklist, and I just started all my accomplishments. I just started checking them off. And, you know, it was... It was me just being humble enough to give all the honor and glory to God yeah. because well, without him, it wouldn't have been possible. And um, 
that's what I started to do for those, you know, those months into those years. And the process, you know, started to become easier for me just as I just continued to dove into the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, true. His word is, is living and active. Huh? Absolutely. It's alive. Absolutely. And you're an example of this. You put that inside of your heart and uh, it, it starts to work. It starts to change us right. from the inside yes. out. Yes. I used to, you know, hear, hear people say, you know, it, um, to try to be, you know, the Bible. And I'm just like, what do you mean by that? Well, when people see you, they should probably, the Bible, God's word should try to rub off on you. They should see a reflection of that because they, you may be the only person that they ever meet. You know, they may not ever get an opportunity mm -hmm. again. So um, understanding that too mm -hmm. really helped me out of my transformation of when I read through the word and just studied the word, how I just really meditated on that. Mm -hmm. And then doors were opening up. You know, I started to get plugged in in, in the church and started to be around other brothers and, and, and go to men's retreats and things like that. And it just was alive and active and I was hungry for it. Yeah. Isn't that amazing how powerful of an influence the people we, we all know that, right? Who we hang out with is going to shape us and affect us. But that has been so true in your story from being a teenager, wanting to fit in, wanting to, to belong. And you were surrounded by these other gang members and the influence uh, that had on you. And then as a man, here you are now surrounding yourself with godly men. Yes. And as iron sharpens iron, these men started to rub off on you and sharpen you and you and them. And, and what a difference that makes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And during that, that transition, again, God's goodness, um, he brought me a spiritual father and spiritual parents that were really, you know, um, impacted my life to where I'm at today. Um, my, my father, uh, Eddie, you know, just wonderful man. My mom, spiritual mom, mom, Kim, wonderful lady. And they've been in this journey with me ever since, you know, going on about 13 years now since, you know, I gave my, my life to the Lord. And, you know, they've been with me every step of the way. Mm -hmm. And um, it's all honor and glory to God, mm -hmm. of course. But again, God sent me someone yeah. when he knew I was at my, my lowest and where I was hungry and just yearning for, for help and wanting to be a different person and be what God had really created me to yeah. be. Yeah, well, I, I know from listening to you and being around you, the fragrance of Christ is all over your life, Damien. Oh, thank you, Pastor. Thank and you. I, I can just tell you love the Lord. You have a powerful walk with Jesus. And uh, and I appreciate how you've stepped into a fire team leadership role. Now, yeah, absolutely. Yes. you're leading men. You're one of our, our fire team small group leaders. And so tell us about the vision you have for your fire team group. Yeah, again, going back to when I was broken and when I first walked in, into the church and, and gave myself to the Lord, I remember there was brothers that would see me just broken and, again, feeling out of place, right? Everywhere I've gone through my life, childhood, teenager, adulthood, Damon always felt out of place and adequate because, you know, he couldn't learn and comprehend things. And brothers would have just come up to me and uh, they'd let me just cry on their shoulder and they'd hold me and just hug me and just let me just release everything that I was holding inside. So um, when it became my turn to serve and, and help other men, I, I, I make sure that I give that same effort that was mm -hmm. given to me. So um, the more I get discipled, the more I want to be able to disciple others. Yeah. So yeah, when I heard about the fire teams, um, yeah, I'm all in pastor, you know how I, how I am now, um, go, go after and get it. So my fire team is called Three Strong. It's kind of a vision God gave me some some years ago. You know, again, growing athletic, you always think I need to lift as much weight as I can. I need to be as strong as I can. Law enforcement, I need to be as strong as I can. You know, I'd be able to, be able to fight and, and survive. But 
I never really thought about the spiritual side of it, right? Mm -hmm. How spiritually strong mm -hmm. was I supposed yeah. to be? Because, right, we're, we're spirit beings, right? God made us spirit first in his image. So when God gave me that vision, that was my driving force. I need to be more spiritually strong than physically strong. Mm -hmm. And that turned to now when I become spiritually strong, I could become mentally strong. So now I have, uh, you know, that much more um, weapons, you know, to fight back the enemy. And then the physical part just kind of took care of itself. You know, I went back to some old school type of workouts and push-ups and pull-ups and, and dips. And um, I haven't stepped foot in a gym in over 10 years. And uh, I'm more spiritually strong today than I was back then when I could lift all that weight, mm -hmm. which did nothing for me. Right? I mean, I couldn't walk away from any temptation back then because I just had no spiritual mm -hmm. strength in me. I had the physical strength, but, you know, we don't fight those physical battles, yeah. right? We fight those spiritual battles. Yep. So now you have a passion to help men uh, become spiritually strong. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's where it starts. So this is so good. I love this is how God works, right? He's He has transformed you, and we're all in progress. He's still transforming you, right? He's still transforming Absolutely, me. yes. So we're all still a work in progress, but... He's transformed you in some powerful ways. And then you turn around and you start to invest into other men. I mean, that that is the kingdom. Yes, absolutely. And the importance that uh, none of us can go at it alone, right? This no. this walk that we're called uh, into a, a, this Christian life, we need brothers. We need good men, godly men to put their arm around our shoulders. They come on, let's let's go together. Yes. It's that accountability, right? You got to have that accountability. Without that, you know, we see what's going on right now. It's just chaos. But when you go find that brother and say, "Hey, can you hold me accountable?" Yeah, I'll hold you accountable. Can you hold me accountable? That's where we start building yeah. the body of Christ. Yeah. That's when we start really making an impact in our communities. Yeah, you are making an impact, Damian. I appreciate you sharing your story today, Thank and you, thanks Pastor. for leading. Thanks for helping us invest into the men of New Life Church. Thank you. All honor and glory goes to God. So Damien is one of our, our fire team leaders. We actually have different fire teams meeting all over the city. And so if you want to find out more about Damien's group or the other groups that we have available, you can go to newlifechurch.org.